Good morning, Hilton Head Allen Community Church. I hope you're doing well this morning. I want to thank you guys so much, those of you who are here in the house. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Thank you who are watching online this morning. And thank you to the uh, 21 people, so I'm told, uh, that are out on the backstage patio this morning. Why don't we give it up for those that are out there and that are online this morning. Thank you guys for joining in. And it seems like every week we're making improvements to that patio, and um, yeah, well, Lord's helping us out too because the weather's amazing today. So uh, glad that you're here today. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in a variety of different places this morning, but that's one of the places that we will be this morning. We're in week five of our series, week five of our series called Different. And this has been a series that was really kind of birthed out of a burden that I sensed uh, throughout this past year. Um, Quite honestly, throughout the the year, the election cycle, um, and just all the turmoil that we've seen in the world, I believe has caused us as a society to have the differences that we may naturally have, those God-given differences that we have, those different God-given experiences that we have. It's caused all of those differences, in my mind, to be magnified for some reason. I don't know about you, but boy, you you just hear over and over and over again and still and continuing just how much division there is in the world. And this is our last of this series in terms of teaching. Next week, we're going to have a a discussion. You're going to be, you know, you'll get to see that and be a part of that here uh, on stage with a few friends that I've asked to be a part of discussing kind of how we can apply this. And, And just as a way of review, and I've done this each week, and I do this sometimes when we have longer series because I think you need to connect those dots. And if, you know, I want to encourage you to go back and listen or watch Uh, those and connect the dots more in detail. But in week one, we talked about the fact that God did design us differently, that we're uniquely created, and that we in the church are to use those differences and those uniquenesses to benefit the church, to benefit the mission of the church, which is to go and to tell the world about Jesus. In week two, we talked about the fact that uh, in our personal message, we don't always have to be right. I know that made some of you very uncomfortable. Uh, Others of you, it was very comforting to hear those words, right? Yeah, so depending on like who you're with and who you know, and I'll just leave it at that. Okay, in week three, we talked about, oh, we also talked in week two about the fact that our job is not to judge, that's God's uh, job, that we are not to judge, that he is the judge. In week three, we talked about the fact that divisions are ultimately a heart problem, so when we have a horizontal problem with people, it's probably an indicator of a vertical problem that we have with God. And we talked about falling back in love with Jesus. Last week, we discussed four points, four points from the Bible, four ways that we can keep relationships where there's massive differences from becoming division. And this week, we're going to talk about how we can do three things when divisions happen from God's Word. When we have that break in a relationship with someone, some people, or some group of people in our lives. 
And we began this whole series by talking about it. In fact, I think it was in week two, I actually had a stick and we broke a stick. Because when Paul says that we should be unified and that we should do everything that we can to keep from division, the word that the people understood back then in the original language was the word that meant a break. A break. In today, maybe with a little bit different context, and the last two messages in this series have been much more application-oriented. We kind of did some deconstructing in the first couple weeks and talked about love and passion in that middle week, and now um, we've been putting the pieces back together and discovering what God's Word says about how we relate. Okay, and so I, I want to talk about a couple things, but I want to say this um, to you today. Um, this is by no means, and I think I mentioned this last week, and I'm, I'm just going to mention it briefly. This is by no means something that I have down pat. And those are the best messages for a pastor to preach, because it means that God's working on your heart in these areas, okay? So I'm learning right along with you, and I fail right along with you on this, and we can work on this together, can't we, church? We can work on this together, and here's where I want to start this morning. We are all humans, and because we are all humans, and because all humans are flawed, divisions will happen. The break in relationships are inevitable. Last week we talked about four ways that we can prevent that, four things that we can do to prevent it. The whole series is to try to prevent that. That's the aim of the series. But what happens when a relationship, whether it was forced on you or whether like it was partly your fault and partly their fault, or maybe it was all your fault, I don't know. What happens when that break actually happens? We are humans and we are flawed and divisions will happen. And to illustrate that point, I'm going to tell you about my middle school soccer team that I coach, that I just found out two weeks ago I was coaching. <laughs> and I've coached soccer before, but I've never been the coach. I've been the assistant coach, which is a lot of fun. Being the assistant coach is a lot of fun. Being the coach of middle schoolers is not a whole lot of fun all the time, all right? Well, wait, we haven't played a game yet, so it'd be fun if we win. Did you hear what I said there? Yeah, you heard what I said there. It'll be fun if we win. I hope none of my players are listening to this. But anyway, I have 19, I have 19 middle school boys that I'm coaching right now, and um, they decided they'd let fifth graders play, and so we have seven fifth graders all the way up to eighth grade. So middle school-ish. We'll call it a middle school-ish soccer team, all right? And we're having a blast. And we got out there Wednesday, and it was tryouts, and they're all going to make the team, right? Because... I remember getting cut. So anyway, I'm just going to like do the whole, like you're, everybody's going to make the team, but they're all not going to start. And, and the, the best part for any um, sport and, and particularly soccer is not the drills. Drills are boring. In fact, my son gave me his input the other day when we were done and he's like, dad, you got to work on your drill game. It really stinks. So I took that into consideration. He's in eighth grade. I, I respect that. He's cool. He's, he plays a lot of soccer. I'm cool with that. Um, so I worked on my drill game for the next two practices. I think we did better, right? But you always want to get to the scrimmage, right? That's the fun part, right? 
And so in soccer and scrimmage, what you do is, is they wear these pennies or vests. They're, they're little training pennies. That's what they're called. And they're little vests. And you break them up, and you got the red ones and the orange ones, and then you got the guys that are in their regular shirts, right, to divide them into three teams. And I took my team and divided them into three teams. And it was so amazing because the first day when we met, man, it was like they were all really quiet. They listened to every word that I had to say. They didn't talk. They were just listening. I was like, this would be great in my own home. I'm just kidding. Um, so anyway, like they were listening to every word, and they were, I could tell they were really unified, and they were together as a team. And then the second day, it was a little more, like there was a little more you know, conflict, a little more talking back at me. And, and the reason my voice is a little scratchy is I had to get a little louder that day. And, and then the last day, on Friday, we practiced. And on Friday, I divided them up for the scrimmage, and, and I gave them these pennies these different colored pennies, and as soon as we finished the process of dividing them up into three teams so we could scrimmage, man, it was all-out war. Like, it was like, oh, yellow stinks. You're the yellow team. You stink. You got this player. You stink. You guys don't know anything about soccer. It was all out, like, at each other, right? All of a sudden, this unified thing that they had became disunity, all right? And that's typical and expected in middle school soccer. I knew that much about them. It was so funny to see how quickly they turn on each other. And I had a flashback to November and October of 2020. And what I kept hearing from people in the world, not just what I heard from the news, but what I heard from Christians, things that they would say against other Christians about their political beliefs, or their theological beliefs, or their doctrine. It got nasty, and ugly, and dirty. And I thought, man, it's time for the church not to walk away from what it believes. We believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. We believe that salvation is found through no other means other than faith in Jesus Christ alone. We believe in those things. We believe in the Trinity. There's, it's not, I'm not talking about like getting like watered down, but the church in particular had become so incredibly divided and judgy and critical. And the world does not need to see Christ followers doing what my middle school team did on Friday, and that is attack each other when they had the opportunity. And not just politics, but a lot of things is the reason that we're in this series, and a lot of churches are going through this right now, going back to God's Word and looking at what God's Word says about these things, because we all have different experiences, and we all have different backgrounds, but Paul calls us, God calls us to be unified. And so with the idea in mind that we are human and that divisions are going to occur, I want us to begin by reading Romans chapter 12. And we're going to take a look at verses 9 through 21. I want you to follow along as I read this morning. Now, let me just give this preface. Paul has just finished what I consider as the pinnacle of what we believe about God. The pinnacle of our theology happens, in my opinion, in Romans 5 through about 8 or 9. And so he's just finished what I consider kind of the, the core of what we believe and what God was doing with redemption. 
through his son Jesus. And then in chapter 12, he starts talking about how that affects us with each other. And here's what he says. He says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast. Some of your virgins may say cling to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that little phrase right there because that shows the human spirit, right? That shows the competitiveness that I saw on Friday with my team, which you know, is part of it that I really liked, right? So, and it's good to have that, all right? And he shows that there. Love one another with a brotherly affection, uh, affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful. That means lazy in zeal. He says, be fervent in spirit serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, he says. Do we have enough of that today? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, my patient muscle has been worked out for a year. I'm kind of done with that. I get you. I, I feel you right there. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That's a whole message for another time, but what a message. Be constant in prayer. He, I think it's interesting that he brings that on the heels of talking about tribulation. Verse 13, continue to the needs of the saints. That's each other. That's the church, right? When you see saints in the Bible, that's talking about the church. It's not talking about what we think of as church fathers who are saints. And seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. I want to read that again. Bless those who persecute you. I want to read it again. Because this is hard. I realize. Bless those who persecute you. Look, I don't like everything in God's word either. Because whatever the opposite of bless is, that's what I want to do sometimes. Right? Or bless them in a different way. All right? But... It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. (laughs) There we go. God just dealt with me on my attitude, right? Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, that means proud, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And here's the verse that I want us to focus on today, for the rest of our time today. In verse 18, in Romans 12, 18. And listen, I need to have this on my refrigerator, like blown up in massive font. I need to have it in my office, blown up in massive font. I need to have this, like, if my contacts could have words on them that I could read, like, I need this, like, imprinted on my contacts, right? This is it right here. Verse 18. If possible. If possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I want to say that again. If possible, so far as it depends on, what's that next word that he uses? You, yeah, that was weak. All right. As far as it depends on 
you. I think they said it better at home. Sorry, sorry. As for, oh man, I got that was that was I, I got you right there. I got you right there. Okay. So as far as as far as it depends on say it again with me, you. That was awesome. Live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, he takes this up a notch, Paul does, inspired by God's Holy Spirit. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. I want to say that again. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Verse 18 is where I want to land today. Because when divisions arise, when that break occurs in a relationship, when something happens and that break occurs, whether it's with someone like that you know here in the church or someone that you've had who is a Christ follower or maybe it's someone in the world and maybe you've had massive arguments over politics or maybe uh, something else. Maybe you live in, in, a, in a, uh, a neighborhood where the, the, you know, there's uh, these certain regulations that you or they violate and you're in a a dispute with your neighbor, or maybe it's a good friend that the break has occurred with, or a family member that the break is about ready to occur with. I want verse 18 to be highlighted. Underline that. Highlight that. Put it up where you can see it. Verse 18, Romans chapter 12. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. How do we do that? How do we do that? When the break has occurred or when the break is about ready to, to occur or the, the arguments are just increasing and the debate has gotten to a point where it's not enjoyable and healthy and there is like a point where it's healthy, but it's gotten ugly and you've been wounded, or maybe you've wounded someone else, what do we do? I, I want to talk about three things that we can do from God's word when the break happens or the break is about ready to happen in a relationship. Whether it's with someone in the world or someone that you know who's a Christ follower. But I want you to hear this. The onus is on us. The onus is on us. I always thought that the word onus came from ownership. It doesn't. It's a Latin word. It's a legal word. And, and when we say uh, in, in, in the legal world that there's a burden of proof, that's where it comes from. It's actually a two-word thing, but onus is the one where that comes from. The burden of the relationship falls on us. Here's another way, way to say this. We can't control them, so who should we control? Ourselves. We can't control the other person, but you know what we can do? We can control ourselves. I can't control him. I can't control her. But I can control me. 
You remember at the beginning when I said I fail at this a lot? I do. I fail at this a lot. But if a relationship is on the way to breaking or if it's become so divisive and full of discord, those differences aren't just uniquenesses that we can celebrate, but they've turned into massive discord and divisions about ready to happen. Three things that we can do. First of all, I want us to find peace. Find peace. Find peace where there are divisions in a relationship. Find the peace. That's what we're called to do. Again, if, it, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, what does he say in Romans 12 verse 18? What's the second part of that? He says, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. Find peace. Jesus was given this sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain, right in the middle of it. It's where we receive the, uh, the Lord's Prayer from, and right in the middle of it, he, he talks about these different values that he gives us, that he gives his disciples, these values that are so incredibly counterculture. They're counterconventional wisdom. You're not going to find this in a self-help book because they're kind of the opposite of what you should do. But this is what Jesus, this was the new message that Jesus was giving us. And they're called the Beatitudes. Be a great message series sometime in Matthew 5, verse 9. Here's what he says. He says, blessed are the peacemakers... For they shall be called sons of God. If we want to be called sons, and I'm going to say, and daughters of God, then we are going to be people who find peace where there's conflict. And Romans 12, 18 says, that depends on us. We're not in control of what the other person is going to do or how they respond or what they might say or what they might think or who they might tell or what kind of social media campaign they might go on. But we are in control of us. James chapter 3 verse 18 says this. I love this. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in what? Peace by those who, what? Make peace. When it comes to conflict in the midst of division, sometimes the most honorable thing to do, not always, I realize there are times when like walking away is not good. And I'm going to give you an example of how it's good in a moment. But I, I'm, what I'm telling you is, is that there are times when putting down our arsenal to pursue peace is the best way to resolve things. And even better, reconcile things. And I'm going to talk about the difference between resolution and reconciliation in a moment. Find peace. Where there's division, look for an opportunity to stop, to, to go back to some of those things that we talked about last week. The first thing that we talked about last week was stop talking and start listening to the other person. That's a good way to find peace. It's a good way to find peace. It's for us just to stop talking. 
to get our lips to stop moving and to get our ears in a position of hearing the other person and find peace. The phrase I want you to remember on this one, I'm going to give you a phrase for each one of these three, is this, peace depends on me. Peace depends on me. Now, I know what's happening in here is is that some of you are beginning to think of a relationship or relationships that you know are on the verge of breaking. It's inevitable. It's fine. It's normal. Don't feel bad about that. Unless it's a person sitting next to you in conversation at lunch today. Good luck with that. (laughs) Some of you are thinking about, my goodness, this is playing out in this relationship with this person. I want you to think about what it means in that situation for that relationship with that person that peace depends on you. And I realize that there are all kind of different personalities. There are all kind of different people that are in here that are out on the patio that are listening online right now. And I realize that we all respond differently. Some of you, you're like, hey, I can do this. I can do this peace thing. I know it depends on me. I have to open my mouth and I have to speak words that are peace-oriented. I have to say things that are peaceful. And I have no problem doing it because I don't really care what the other person thinks. Some of you are like that. That's great. I wish I was more like that because I go through the mental gymnastics of going, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? What's their next move? Like, what's going to happen next if I'm the one that says that? Listen, church, this is where we have to trust God. We have to trust the Lord. We have to trust him with the results. We have to do the thing that he is calling us to do. And remember last week, we said, we talked about the fact that like seeking peace doesn't mean that we compromise or we have to compromise our values. But sometimes it's just coming to the point in the relationship where you say, hey, we can't talk about this anymore. Have you ever had to have one of those conversations with someone? We're different. We have different values on this. We see things differently, and it is causing damage to me, or I'm causing damage to you. And peace means we need to stop this relationship. There's a relationship in the Word of God. The account takes place in the book of Acts, and it's even mentioned elsewhere. And it's Paul and Barnabas. And they have a disagreement over Mark and who's going to take Mark. It's a little bit like my soccer team picking different players. Who's going to pick this one? Who's going to take this one? And they have a sharp disagreement, the Bible says, over it. And they decide that they are going to bring that relationship to an end. And they part ways and they go in different directions. And not one place in the Bible or any kind of extra biblical records do you ever see Paul or Barnabas going on a campaign to take out the other one. And I think sometimes we may forget or we may not realize that maybe the best, most God-honoring thing for them to do was to disagree and agree to disagree in part ways. And maybe that was them being peaceful. Find peace. 
Say it over and over and over again when you're faced with conflict with someone you love or maybe someone you want to love or maybe somebody you don't love but they're in your life. Peace depends on me. Secondly, initiate forgiveness. Initiate forgiveness. Initiate forgiveness when a break has occurred or is about ready to occur. And this is not being phony or false. I'm not suggesting that you somehow make up some kind of forgiveness moment or message when forgiveness is not not there. But if, in fact, you have been party to damaging that relationship or damaging that person, be the one who initiates forgiveness. Be the one to speak up first. Ephesians 4, verse 32, is the Apostle Paul who struggled once again in that relationship that he had, says this, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I'm going to come back to that, that phrase in a few minutes. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We talked about kindness last week, how it's one of those four steps. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Luke 6, verse 37, judge not, we, we discussed this in week two, judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not and you will not be condemned. But he ends, Jesus does, by saying, forgive and you will, what? Be forgiven. But do you see the order? I want you to notice, church, the order of things. The onus is on the one receiving the message. The onus is on us. The onus is on the one who is the one who's listening to the Spirit of God to make the first move, even if the first move doesn't result in the way that you want it to. Even if you don't get the win at the end of the day. And I know that's very, very difficult to think through. I get it. Man, I want to say, you know what? I, I did my part. Why are they doing theirs? I offered forgiveness. They didn't take me up on it. Come on now. I've done my thing. And then, I, I can, then I'm now mad at them and God. <laughs> and I got a whole nother sermon for myself there, right? But that's what we do, don't we? We initiate peace, we initiate forgiveness, and then we want the right response, and that was why we got into trouble in the first place, that we want to control, control, control. Colossians 3.13, again, the Apostle Paul, he says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. I love how many times the Apostle Paul compares forgiveness to what God did by sending his son. Please, church, don't miss that. If you're here in the room, if you're back on the backstage patio, if you're listening on the line, don't miss that. Paul compares forgiveness to what God did 
to what the Father did by giving up his son. Because he forgave us, didn't he? Gladly and willingly and without thinking about what our response would be to possibly reject the forgiveness. He forgave us. And so peace depends on me. And the phrase I want you to remember for forgiveness is forgiveness begins with me. Forgiveness begins with me. Listen, COVID has not made us the best of people, has it? (laughs) It's just true. It is not, I'm not the best version of myself this year. I'm not. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not. I've not been the best version of myself. It's, it's made me, I, maybe I'm the only one. It's made me more ornery, grouchy, and grumpy. It just has. All right? just has. Right? Everything. Thank you, the one person. I don't know who it was, but we'll have a counseling session later. All right, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> we'll talk later, man. I, it's, it has made us grouchy and ornery and grumpy and... I'm just not the best version of myself. But you know what I can do? I can stop and I can seek peace and I can forgive. And then lastly, we can seek reconciliation. We can seek reconciliation. We can find peace. We can initiate forgiveness. And we, as God's people, with those out there in the world that we've broken with or or each other or family members or whoever that is, we can seek reconciliation. But reconciliation is a little bit different than resolution. Because when I say resolution, I might be saying the same thing and meaning the same thing, but resolution essentially is, I want to resolve the issue. Reconciliation says, I want to save the relationship. Do you see the difference? Resolution says, I want to talk you into what I believe, and then the relationship can be saved. Well, that's the attitude that got you there in the first place. (laughs) It's the attitude that got me there in the first place. Resolution says, you need to believe the way I believe, and then we'll be friends. Hmm. Resolution and reconciliation are different. And the Bible says that we need to be people who are seekers and have the ministry of reconciliation, even in those relationships that are most difficult for us. Even where there's a break occurring, even when that break is happening, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says this, all this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Let's stop for a second and think about that. Through Christ, God reconciled us. He had a problem with us. What was our problem? Sin was our problem. Romans says it has occurred since the beginning of time, since the Garden of Eden, uh, since the first sin, all human sin. 
And he reconciled us to himself. And then he gave us, he handed us the marching orders and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what I've done for you. Go do this with others. By the way, God didn't say, here's what I did for you, do it to me. Did he? In fact, he continues to forgive us, doesn't he? He continues to forgive us. He constantly forgives us. What he did is he said, this is what I've done for you. Now go do this. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's what forgiveness was. That's what forgiveness is. That's what redemption is. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. See, peace, peace depends on me. Forgiveness begins with me. And reconciliation is my responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. Because Romans 12, 18, remember, says, if possible, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. I actually love the first part because there's an admission here that Paul makes in verse 18. Some of you probably caught it. If possible, so far as it depends on you. When he says that, when he writes that, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, he's saying, you don't need to think about what the results are. You need to be the one who seeks peace. You need to be the one who initiates forgiveness. You need to be the one who says, reconciliation is my responsibility. And then leave the rest up to him. Leave the rest up to God. There's two things that I want to communicate as we close here this morning. First and foremost, I want you to think for a moment. Imagine for a moment. What if the church, what if just this church, what if we, what if 100% of us in every relationship that we have, in those moments where it's beginning to break, like those debates are you know, fun at first, and then all of a sudden it gets it's starting to bend, and then all of a sudden you see the splinters and it's starting to break, or it's broken. What if 100% of this church, what if we took the onus on us, put the burden of responsibility on our shoulders? Imagine what would change if we all did that. Imagine the transformation that would happen just on Hilton Head Island if we all did that. It would be revolutionary. It would be revolutionary. It would be transformational in our community. 
And I believe that God's Word would then expand. I think that His kingdom would expand. I think that change would be amazing. I believe that the gospel would then begin to spread like we've never seen it before because these barriers that we have maybe with each other and with the world would come down. What if we really did take the onus, take that burden and take it off the relationship and put it on our shoulders, take it off the other person and say, I'm going to take this on to find peace, to initiate forgiveness, and to be the one that says, hey, I'm responsible for reconciliation. The second thought that I have, and here's where we'll end, is I want you to think for a moment about what God the Father did for you. I want you to think for a moment that every time that, that it talks about forgiveness, every time Paul talks about forgiveness, he makes that comparison. And listen, church, he did so much in forgiving me. He did so much for me. I would be a mess. I would be a mess. I'm already close to it. <laughs> I'd be a mess without Jesus. I'd be a disaster without him. But God the Father chose peace. He chose forgiveness. And he chose reconciliation. And because of that, we should be motivated to do the same thing. We pray with me today. Father, I pray right now for those who are within the sound of my voice, whether they're watching online, live or later, or listening on the podcast later this week or some other time, whether they're here in this room, out on the backstage patio. God, I pray right now for the relationships that we are undoubtedly thinking of. Maybe we've had a political debate with someone and it got ugly. Maybe we caused some harm with a neighbor because we didn't like the way that he or she handled their business. Or maybe there's been a business partner that we've had a break with. And as the relationship was ending, there are a few things that if we're really honest with ourselves along the way, we felt like, man, we could have done better there. God, I pray that you would help me, that you would help each one of us to find peace, to initiate forgiveness where it needs to happen, to take on the responsibility to reconcile with another person or people. May you, your Holy Spirit right now prompt us. May you lead us. May you stir in our hearts the ability to make the move, to take that onus on our shoulders, to take up that responsibility, to put it on us, to take it off the relationship or to take it off the other person, to place it on us because you, Father, Daddy, you took it on yourself by sending your son to die on the cross for us. God, I thank you for the great example that you set in this area. Oh, you set the ultimate example. Father, you took on the sin 
of the entire world by sending Jesus, your son, to the cross. And in doing so, you showed us the ultimate way to be people who find peace, who initiate forgiveness, and take responsibility for reconciliation. And God, right now, may you prompt us to go to that other person, to go to that other, the other people in our lives who we've offended and reconcile. Restoration may not be possible, full restoration. The relationship might look different afterwards. God, we have to leave it in your hands. They might not receive the forgiveness we're offering. We need to offer it anyway. We might not see a way that peace could exist at all. We need to leave that up to you. Help us, Father, in our weakness, in our fear, in our anxiety, with whatever the results are, to do what you're calling us to do anyway. And we thank you, Father, that you gave us the greatest example possible. Help us to walk in your footsteps, to model what you modeled, and to be people who own our part of division that has occurred or may be occurring. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.